Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Female Lens. In this special bonus episode, we partner with Free the Bid and chat with founder and director Alma Harrell to hear about their new relaunch. Alma was incredible, and we learned so much about the origins of Free the Bid, why it's important, and a lot about her own thoughts on creativity and collaboration. Free the Bid is a 501c3 nonprofit initiative advocating on behalf of women directors for equal opportunities to bid on commercial jobs in the global advertising industry and beyond. The initiative was founded in September 2016 by director Alma Harrell, who we talked to in this episode, as a response to her own personal experience of the lack of opportunities for women directors in advertising. Free the Bid is evolving into Free the Work, which is a holistic talent discovery service that connects creators with those who hire within film, TV, and advertising. We really enjoy chatting with Alma and hope you enjoy the conversation as well. Stay tuned. love to just start at the beginning. If you could talk about what experiences you might have had as a director that led you to creating Free the Bid. It's a good place to start. Great. Appreciate that. Um, so I, I moved here to the U.S. Um, at the ripe age of 30, and I was kind of, you know, inducted into the reality of uh, films here. I came from, um, I, I was born in Tel Aviv and uh, grew up in Israel, um, moved here. And when I moved here, I had to kind of start from scratch. Not that I had so much that I've done in Israel. I have never directed a feature film or anything, but I was already kind of working in television and doing um, music videos and some commercials. And when I got to here, I realized that it's really going to take a lot and I didn't have at the time the understanding of the disadvantage I'm already starting with being a woman so I really started with like music videos I was very proactive and I found bands I liked and would go and ask them if I can do a music video for them. I found a CD in, in Amoeba Records of a band called Beirut, and I kind of really got into uh, I love them so much. So I worked with them, did their first few music videos. I did like three or four music videos with them, Zach Condon, and, <clears throat> and um, kind of realized, uh, got signed with Partisan, um, and I kind of saw slowly how all my male peers are kind of climbing up the ladder of, of budgets of, of music videos and getting more and more work, um, getting connected to bigger artists or bigger budgets, and I was still not kind of <laughs> connecting the dots, obviously, and there was no awareness the way there is in the past two or three years about all of this um not not I didn't have it anyway and um so as I was doing it it was really obvious that the only way to kind of break out of a cycle that didn't allow for more opportunity was to just leave everything behind and go and just shoot a film or do something and I went out and shot a documentary film um by myself with no crew and 
just like with the camera and the sound, and it ended up winning Tribeca Film Festival. And when I got into, after that, a, a situation where I had more opportunities and started directing commercials, then everything kind of clicked because I saw that every commercial I was bidding on, I was always the only woman. And when I did get a campaign, I often heard, you're the first woman director we've ever worked with. So that kind of really blew my mind. And at the time uh, when I launched it, it was before the Women's March. So again, kind of a time where a lot of stuff was bubbling underneath, but not still so much in popular culture the way we see it now. And obviously this is not the first wave of feminism as we know, but in between waves there's a tendency to forget everything sometimes that we fight for. So it was just like a moment in time where it became really clear to me that something is, is very wrong and that it's systemic. And I think that's, that's what really caused um, that's what really made me kind of go and, you know, decide to start Free the Bid. Yeah, to start an initiative like this, you must be very passionate about filmmaking and storytelling. And we're curious where that passion comes from and, yeah, how it has, like, continued to grow. I think that when I grew up, I grew up um, in Israel, like I said, and my uh, parents, who I love very much, um, had a very uh, turbulent relationship. My father is an alcoholic and they had separated a lot and when they wouldn't see each other, uh, when, when my father wasn't living with us, he would come and, and pick us up and he would take us to see movies. Like that was kind of what we would do together. Um, he kind of never had his own apartment, so he never, we never had anywhere to go with him to stay. We would just like kind of meet and go to see movies together and it really became something I guess very important in my life somehow at an early age but I wasn't very aware of it uh, again I, I didn't go straight ahead into movies I went into theater first and I was in front of the camera a lot of years so really only later I slowly kind of understood that the only way to have a complete vision is to be behind the camera and um, I'm very passionate in general about storytelling because I think it's just one of the only ways to create empathy and to take people somewhere that can cause them to examine who they are, what the world is, um, to have an experience outside of the mundane and to understand the potential of humanity, you know, and of, of the psyche. Um, it's, it's almost a, an opportunity to dream together. I think I studied filmmaking more in my dreams than anywhere else. I never went to film school, and I think I was really more than I was ever obsessed with films. I was obsessed with dreams, you know. I was just really kind of fascinated by the idea we all go to sleep at night and see things. Um, and the idea and the feeling you can have in a dark space or sharing images like that really makes it feel like a collective, you know, experience. Yeah, that makes me excited. Yeah. <laughs> that was really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> what are some statistics behind the systemic inequality in the media world that people may be surprised to hear? So I think there's 
two things we can talk about. Watch one is um, obviously TV and film, which is something that is monitored more closely um, lately by the Annenberg um, School for Communication and Journalism and Stacy Smith. So, if you are familiar with those studies, then basically they survey about um, they surveyed about 1,100 films uh, that were made in the last 11 years, and they found out that just four percent were directed by women which equates to 22 men to one woman. And on top of that, they also found out how poorly um, the intersectionality is in those numbers. So probably out of all of these women, um, there were, I think only four have been uh, black and Asian, but I'm, I'm not sure 100%. Of the 43 film directors who made movies between 2007 uh, 2017, I'm reading this, four have been black, two Asian, and one Hispanic. But on top of that, I think that what really made me kind of jump out of my chair was when I was getting into advertising. And like I said, I realized early on that in order to to sustain myself as an independent filmmaker that doesn't necessarily always pursues the most commercial fare. Um, I had to support myself financially, and the way many male directors support themselves is through making commercials. Um, so when you think about the advertising world for a second separately, we know that the average consumer is exposed to about 3,000 to 10,000 marketing messages a day, right? And like out of those, pretty much about, I mean, it's, it's again, it's not extremely accurate, but that's uh, estimated that about 96% of those or 94% of those were directed by men. And we know most of these men are white uh, in very high numbers in the 90s. So... It's, a, it's brainwashing. I mean, that's what it is. It's a cultural brainwash that has started in the 50s and that has positioned women and people of color and people that have um, other definitions of gender that don't sit with the, the usual cis definitions, uh, all of them. Um, and, of course, people with disability and not to speak about ageism. So it's just it's a big, big umbrella of, of people that are suffering, I think, from this brainwash, from the images we put out, from the expectations we have, from the perspective that we put on all of those messages, which is always the male gaze, and if I may say, the alpha male gaze, because we know that the people that thrive sometimes in those environments are a certain type of male. So um, that has been something that kind of really shocked me and caused me to feel like we are all living in a reality that very few people are creating uh, the, you know, painting it for us and um, hoping that Free the Bid has contributed in the past two years to changing some of that and I think we do see some change in advertising even bigger than in TV and, fi and film in terms of numbers. So you founded uh, Free the Bid, but we're curious also who was part of that early team that started to bring the vision to life and what made you think that this idea could work towards a solution to the problems that you're witnessing? Um, so I'm a pretty compulsive person in terms of like uh, 
starting something if I have an idea. I can't really say I was uh, fully prepared to launching Free the Bid. It was there was no team. It was just me when I launched it. Before I started Free the Bid, I gave an interview that followed um, a, a, a commercial I directed for Stella Artois. Um, it was a commercial that um, I got from an ad agency called Mother. Um, the creative was uh, Sasha Markova, and it was for me like a huge turning point in my realization that I spoke about before because I when I did it I was told I was the first woman to ever direct a commercial for Stella Artois and they were a brand that did a lot of commercials with filmmakers like from Wim Wenders to Jonathan Glazer and a lot of filmmakers I really loved and they had a huge emphasis on working with filmmakers but somehow I was the first woman and that was kind of a breaking <laughs> point and I um did an article about it, um, a man named P.J. Pereira, who is the head of an ad agency in San Francisco called Pereira and Odell, who worked with me before in an Airbnb international campaign, the first campaign they did. Uh, we worked on it together. He reached out to me, and we had dinner together, and he said, it has to happen in the bidding system. Like, we could do, like, a fourth a fourth bid for women. And I was like, I think they should be one of the three if we're doing it. And he agreed. And then we took it out to everybody we could through our contacts with um, literally a PDF I put together. Um, started sending it. As I was sending it, I was like, this is not going to work unless we have a database. Because I knew that every time I speak about it to people, people say, but there are no women directors. There's only five. There's only 10, and they're working. There's only, I mean, everybody knows those excuses. I had a, a woman that was uh, my assistant at the time, and we just kind of sat down and started to work on it and, and build it on, on my laptop. We, we started with 70 women. Uh, we didn't even ask for approval at the time from anybody. I just like kind of pulled, put it together, very Israeli, uh, and uh, just uh, put it together and um, really launched it. And before it launched, we already had some of the biggest ad agencies in the world committed to it. And uh, brands like eBay and Coke and um, Visa and brands like that. So it was it was pretty massive right away. And then it was a matter of losing sleep for about four months and not, not knowing how to handle the size of it and how to scale it up until um, really HP, uh, Antonio Lucio, who was the CMO, of HP saw me tweeting about it on Twitter and reached out to me and said he wants to help. And he gave us our first donation, which allowed me to hire six months in. I think I hired um, Emma Reeves, who's now the executive director, and she's been a force of, of nature. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a very bumpy beginning. We just kind of threw myself into it. And um, I think we're doing something pretty ambitious right now, too, with our next launch. Um, but that's how it started, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the way that you're talking about that, like the creating of it seems so akin to filmmaking, where it's like such an ambitious endeavor. Do you feel like the skill sets you had from filmmaking kind of translate to that? Or was it kind of a deeping, uh, deepening of something else? Uh, it's such a good question. I've been thinking about it a lot the past month because we are now building something so big and I've never built something like this before, like a that's almost essentially a service or a product that has so many implications and decisions. I think that definitely in films um, and filmmaking in general, you are um, 
sort of training to take a lot of decisions and work with a lot of people and bring the best out of people around you and have a clear vision and of what you want or just counting on the fact that by making one choice after another you would get there so there's a definitely a skill set from that I think that there's another there's a lot of other skill sets though that's involved in something like this um i'd like to think a lot i got a lot of them from my mom who was just like a really really strong woman who always did everything with nothing like just like even when we had no money and were worried about buying food or paying rent every month she still made our house feel really warm and like cultured and um i don't know she would like cut like from books she would cut art uh, posters and like frame them with like wood and colorful wood she would make herself all build all these shelves and st- she just like always built things and always and I think that I kind of got that from her from like being able to look at what's available and then what can can you make from that and that was a lot of what free the bid was is connecting the dots between seeing where I could be helpful what doesn't work well who I can connect with who in order to make things work and then just staying on that and then getting more and more people that were um, passionate about building something together you know like Emma and Chloe and we have like such a small team but each each person on that team and each woman that works uh, with us is really kind of a powerhouse so that's that's been very helpful after free the bit start experiencing success uh, working with brands and agencies what encouraged you to start thinking and expanding globally when we started free the bit I mean it was right away we worked with a few brands but it really became a bigger once HP joined us and there was more commitment from visa and other brands that joined and it was clear that once we tracked things that the 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 effect it's having on the numbers are are, are is kind of unheard of like we went with um, HP from zero women directors um, to 59 percent of all of their advertising directed by women in 18 months and they were all women from our database so it was you really massive I can get into more case studies but I'll try to answer your question better um, <laughs> so once we did that um, we started to get a lot of uh, women approaching us and wanting us to bring this to their countries and uh, what we started doing is basically working with ambassadors in each country so each each country that we go into we get an ambassador who is a filmmaker in in where she is and we build a database of the women in that country and we are we're currently in Uh, 17 countries going on 20 when we do the relaunch we will be in 20 countries so it's really a global operation that's growing all the time and now we are working with all the founders that are coming on board to launch for the new launch to also make sure that certain countries that have very low numbers of talent um, for instance um, Japan or China or places like that where women have even less opportunity India um, the Middle East so that's c- kind of like our next goal in this year is to really sort of go into a lot of areas like that free the bid started with focusing on women directors but has since expanded to editors colorists composers DPS etc and Why was it important to dress the whole production pipeline? So what we've seen is that when 
a woman director takes the job, she's usually looking to have more diversity. She's usually looking to work with more women. She's usually looking to work with more people of color. Um, she's just really conscious of that, being part of a minority herself. Uh, it's not a minority. We're actually half of the world. But let's just say, like, <laughs> being... Uh, systemically shut down or shut out um, usually women like to take care of other people who need opportunity and it was really important for us to create a database that would allow for both filmmakers and producers who want to have a set that has more inclusivity to feel like they can tap into this database and find the talent that they need um, I don't believe that things are solved just by having a talent in front of the camera or a director. It's just a matter of having a whole set that, that has there more more presentation. And I just made a film, and I know that on my set it was incredibly important to see the input on each department and to make sure that it's it's rich and that it represents a lot of voices. So that's something that we are going to continue to pursue and actually get more and more into and in terms of writers and choreographers and a lot of other databases we're working on currently yeah hearing you talk about this I just keep thinking about the art of like collaboration and I'm curious how working on free the bid has deepened your collaborative skills and kind of like yeah contributed to your creativity when kind of going to your filmmaking if that makes sense yeah I, I think making every project that you make is kind of contribute something and you learn um, to trust your instincts too and your intuition about people which is really important um, there's certain people that work well with you and uh, or don't work well with you but work well with others so it's really a matter of finding the your soulmates and your you know your soldiers your soulmates your uh, just you know kind of dream um, companions um, and and then you can really fly you know and I feel like um, free the bid in general has brought a lot of faith in me you know in 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 the power of I mean I always believed in that and I worked on political campaigns and things like that and I kind of um, huge you know fan of grassroots in general but um, grassroots efforts but um Free the Bid really kind of showed me how powerful it is when people connect around something. And at the same time, I have to say that it also made it clear for me that you have to have um, some way to tap into the, stru the, the structures of power, right? Like there's, there's systemic stuff that's happening and there's uh, a whole corporate world that is controlling our life right now more than sometimes governments do. And I would say that in each one of these corporations, usually there's good people. And sometimes the, the individuals, sometimes you have to find them and connect with them and they would work for the greater good within the organization or within the corporation or try to bring change. and. I've, I've met a few of those people. I don't know if, if I, can, I can't say in every corporation, but I can say that I've met, I met a few really good people that are capable of bringing change and they lack sometimes the right tools or the right awareness to what is it that they're um, missing out on. And education, you know, and connectivity are like kind of the best things that we have right now, right? Like 
the, the fact that we could still connect to people so easily through social media um, is something that allowed us uh, in Free to Bid to really kind of unexpectedly bring change from places that we didn't think they're going to come from. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because it's like those individuals are the ones that, like, are willing to undergo, like, the examination in the art, you know? like Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people that in film and TV that you'll approach them as a reporter and you'll say, would you talk about something? And they wouldn't talk about it or they wouldn't want to give an interview because... Um, it wouldn't look good for them to admit the numbers or speak about them. And here you see some of the brands that are willing to say, I had zero fucking women directors on all of our campaigns. And, like, look at that number and just say, I'm going to change that and then change it, you know. And that's just an example of what you just said of people that are willing to stare the problem in the face and not just and just kind of move away from virtue signaling which is something we see a lot on social media where people are like yeah i'm gonna retweet this shit and i'm gonna say i'm angry about this fucking thing but then what do they really do like what are you doing how are you changing things and it's of course also important to be a you know social media activist and we see that those the pressure that that conversation has brought is is changing so much but i think that it's really good for each person to find like the one thing they can do in the real world if they can uh where they can influence something um because sometimes they'll get a lot more satisfaction from that if they connect to a community if they connect to other people on the ground in the real world that are doing something sometimes i think like it can be really satisfying more than just being locked in like a train of social media you know ramps um not ramps rants rants (laughs) not ramps yeah which i used to do you know i used to do that i do that less now i don't have time (laughs) what is the most exciting accomplishment that free the bid has achieved thus far I mean, I think we had some pretty big accomplishments in terms of, you know, working with P&G, which is the number one advertiser in the world. Um, Mark Pritchard, who is um, the the chief brand officer of P&G and is the head of the ANA, which is the Association of National Advertisers, have made Free the Bid a recommendation for every brand to join. So that's like, that was a huge thing for us and joining forces with them and initiatives like See Her, um, you know, getting recognition from the Sound uh, Institution. All of those things have been incredibly important to us and the global expansion. But I would say that to me, the most exciting accomplishment is literally every time I hear a woman got a job. So every time we get an email that says, holy shit, I was on your site for 12 hours and I just got booked on a job. Like, And we have those testimonials on our site. Like, It's pretty dorky, but I'm so proud of each one of them. And I know that for me, it was really important that women get hired because it's one thing to be invited to some world that speaks about diversity and like being events that speak about inclusion and be included in lists but like to really actually be hired and get paid for what you do um is it was my goal so every time i see that that happens um that's my biggest accomplishment period you've reached an exciting point in free the bids development can you tell us about what's next 
Yes. So, I mean, if you're on this site right now listening to this, you already know what's, what's up. That's free to work. Um, so our next um, thing that we're doing is basically launching this, uh, I guess, service that you're on right now, which is a talent discovery service. It's a global talent discovery service that allows both uh, filmmakers, emerging filmmakers, professional filmmakers, and industry leaders, both from advertising, TV, and film, and music labels, too, to connect together um, in one destination and um, discover talent and share it. And it's built um, in a similar way to other services we love. So it's kind of like if you you could say a, a Spotify meets IMDb Pro was, was was what I was going for with like hints of Instagram and masterclass thrown in. <laughs> uh, so it's 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 a place where you can discover talent, create playlists, share them, um, work together with your teams um, on on finding the right talent, um, and then also get mentorship and. Um, you know, find um, sort of like your tribe, your community. And we also um, launched um, a tracking tool which would allow brands and TV networks or film studios to kind of track their diversity efforts. I think there's so many incredible initiatives that are trying to bring change and so much awareness that does come from everything I spoke about before on social media. But what we really want to do is track those numbers and quantify them um, so we don't all wait all year for Stacy Smith, who's wonderful and does a, an incredible job, but that we could in real time see if our uh, efforts are, are working and where are they not working, where are they failing, which one of, of the production companies we're working with or the ed agencies we're working with um, are doing the heavy lifting and which are just um, saying they are. So it, 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 and that's not to say that we're looking for, um, you know, who to blame but just who needs more support and who needs more tools and who needs uh, to ignite, who needs to ignite their passion to, you know, to really work for this. So this is a reality in a few years and we don't just like step up a percent or two every year. The advertising, film, TV, and media worlds are all different. How will Free the Work tackle the different issues in each industry? It's true that the advertising world, a lot of it um, deals with triple bidding, which is a system that we managed to kind of disrupt with the idea of asking brands um, and ad agencies to commit that on each triple bid, one woman would get to be heard, um, would be heard. And um, that is something that we now feel like we kind of grew beyond that. I think that in in film and TV, what we're seeing now is, of course, there's pitching, there's, you know, there's shadowing, there's all sorts of initiatives that are going on. I can speak in, in length probably about each one of them and how I feel about them, but I'll focus <laughs> on your on your question. Um, what I think our biggest impact is going to be is to really allow for the people that are interested in change to commit to, they don't have to commit to hire women or uh, diverse creators as, as we'd like to call them now uh, is it's it's the idea of really 
getting people into the room and meeting them and listening to them and being aware of talent when you do look for it and not thinking that uh, you have to work off some Excel sheet somebody you know made that has a list on it that you heard is pretty good of a few women directors, which is what I keep hearing all the time. It's like there's some lists that somebody made, and even in the bigger um, talent agencies, there is no internal database of these things. So... What we want to do is really give a tool for all of these initiatives and all of these people that are doing incredible work already and to say, here's a tool that you can integrate into whatever it is you're doing. And it would allow you to really start to organize yourselves uh, and look at talent and, and understand that you've you've been kept away from a pool of talent that you are constantly thinking of as a risk which is something we hear a lot it's a oh, they took a risk and worked with such and such and really the ri- the only risk here is you not educating yourself about this pool of talent because this pool of talent is the future and this pool of talent is the light that was kept out they're not meant to be shadowing and in the shadows of men they they're meant to be in the front so uh, they just need opportunity so that's what we're gonna probably do is open up the the gates and allow people to be seen yeah can you speak a little bit more about shadowing i know that you um mentioned it in uh your speech for your award at sundance and i think a lot of people might view shadowing as like, oh, it's a great opportunity and yay, we get to see it. But there is definitely something else underneath it all. And so, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's some great opportunity there. I think that there's uh, definitely a change we see in numbers in in television. I I think it's mostly because of people like Eva DuVernay and and people that really go and hire uh, women and you know, do a lot for them. I think that in terms of the shadowing, there's a few great programs um, that guarantee hiring after the shadowing program. I'm not going to get into who does what and 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 give you know grades to everybody, but I I think that um, we the 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 women and the people that are doing these shadowing programs, and I haven't done one. I'm really kind of talking from experience of hearing from a lot of women that are on our database or just connected to me somewhere or another, um, there's a feeling that it's like a, a checkbox that you have to go through in order to even be considered. Um, and on top of that, we know that many of these programs uh, do not guarantee hiring. Um, there's women that go into a period of three months that of, of shadowing and never get paid even or have their expenses paid and come out of it broken, like just come out of it with no opportunity and no money and in a debt. So um, the percentage of how many women get hired from each shadowing program are very low, and there's no regulations of it by the, the DGA. They're doing their best efforts to be involved in positive ways and get reports, but there's no regulation. So you don't have to pay a woman when she's shadowing. You don't have to pay for her expenses or travel, and you don't have to hire her. So what you're really getting is a campaign to show that you are inclusive, but you're not necessarily helping the people that need to be uh, helped with opportunity. And it's very sad when I meet women that have gone to three or four or five of these, you know, and uh, never even got a phone call back or never even met the showrunner. So that does exist out there, and I really want 
people to know that and be conscious when they do get into one of these to check if it's a serious one, to check who's behind it, to check that they, uh, you know, get seen, uh, meet somebody on the show. Don't just like spend all your money and um, not work for months and months and get into debt or not see your kids and all sorts of things like that if you don't feel that it's a serious program. Who else are you hoping to support with this expansion? Is it other underrepresented filmmakers? Yes, 100%. We are set to expand beyond women. I think that the work we've done in the advertising world was very focused on women directors. Uh, It started like that because I am a woman director, and that was my reach. But I have seen how many other people need this initiative and should be celebrated and seen. Um, We're going to, first of all, have um, trans-identifying people, non-binary people, and in in general, just expand beyond the gender definitions of of women, Um, but also include uh, people of color and um, hopefully with time just expand more and more into uh, as many categories as we can so we can just make sure that the intersectionality on the site and the marginalized communities that don't get to be um, considered for jobs have a place where they can be seen again and uh, also supported. One of the things that we're going to do for emerging filmmakers is to give them a lot of tools, to give them a lot of um, opportunities to get discounts on equipment and uh, really great discounts that I myself would have appreciated in my first years when I was doing work and know how much it means to to get equipment like that. So that's some of the stuff that we're going to do to make sure that people get a better chance at building a reel that then can kind of graduate into the database itself. So it's the idea is to really build the pipeline too and to be global with that, right? Because a lot of the places that we go into um, need workshops, need mentoring, and uh, they're not in a situation to afford to go for three months or four months somewhere every day and not get paid, you know? So we want to come in and help with that. What is your vision for Free the Work in revolutionizing the industry? I think that what we're seeing today already in the film and TV industry and in the advertising industry is like the first hints of what's possible. We're seeing like films with women leads that are succeeding beyond any expectation. We're seeing uh, commercials that are portraying women differently than they've ever been portrayed before. And um, I think that that's just the beginning and we still see how marginalized a lot of these efforts are. So we still see that women are mostly invited to direct advertising that speaks to supposedly other women because it's a hygiene product or something, right? Like, we want to break out these barriers. We see um, women directors that are expected to direct only films that have a woman lead or that speak to some empowerment uh, notion that is sometimes forced on them by a a boardroom of white men. So... um, We really hope to see inclusion and diversity becoming something that doesn't need to be coined and that the language around it doesn't need to sound like underrepresented and and things like that. Um, 
and and terms like that and just really start to see the talent on our site and being integrated not only for those kind of projects because I think that's when we're really going to start to have new point of views and hear stories we've never heard before and creativity will have like a renaissance so that's what I'm aiming for a renaissance of creativity you know so you're, you're working on Free the Work, you have your own creative projects, you have a film coming out very soon. How do you stay creatively inspired and like what keeps you excited to like keep doing the work? It's really a mixture of, I guess, um, memories and being present. People, you know, just um, loving people, being inspired by talent and being inspired by, by stories and by people's needs to be uh, seen and to be loved and to connect with others and uh, my family, my, you know, visiting my country every time I go to visit it with all of the violence and the conflict and the um, situation that's there that politically doesn't sit with me, obviously, but I still find so much um, spirit when I go there, you know, and um, just actually getting outside of America sometimes um, for trips and I feel like it's really easy wherever you live in the world to feel like that's the center you know Um, and every time you travel out you kind of can um, really see the illusion of that you know Um, so that's always helpful and then just you know my dog's eyes things like that it's just (laughs) like the usual (laughs) We end with our rapid response segment, three, two, one, action. Start with three. Your most influential favorite film that's coming to mind right now. So I'm not going to be rapid about this. I'm just going to (laughs) say that I don't have one. It's really important for me to say that. But I would say today um, that Streetwise um, was a huge influence on me. Before I even knew it's called Streetwise, it's uh, by Mary Ellen Mark and director Mark Bell, who's her husband, and um, she's a photojournalist. I don't know if you know her, but she's exceptional. And um, I saw this movie on TV when I was pretending to be sick. I was—I I always didn't go to school when I was little. And um, I didn't know what it was, but it shaped me. And then after I made my first film, um, my ex-husband, bless his soul, a good friend of mine, Boazikin, told me, shit, this reminds me of Streetwise, and I watched Streetwise, and I was like, fuck, I saw this when I was seven. (laughs) This movie's made me. So, yeah, that's, like, a big film for me. Two, dream person you would like to work with? I don't know. I really really hope to work with a woman actress in my next film. Like, I just made a film with three, I think, the best male actors I could have worked with. And I had such an incredible experience, and I really hope in my next film... Um, to work with a woman, but I'm not sure who she is yet. I do dream about her, though. <laughs> One, best advice you've ever received? Um, I mean, I got so much good advice, so it's really, again, hard to hard to choose one, but um, there was this old man I met once, and he told me that um, he wasn't probably that old. I was just very young, but... Um, <laughs> It was probably my age. I'm kidding. No, it was older. But, <laughs> but uh, he said to me that uh, certain people know how to appreciate life and certain people don't. And those that don't know how to appreciate life can't change. And those that do can grow. 
and um, I don't know that it's an advice. It's kind of a depressing saying more than an advice, but it really made me think about um, who I am in the context of that and also about a few people in my life at the time that perhaps I was very attached to and were not appreciative of life from whatever pain they were going through. Um, I don't agree with him that you can't change, but I did really kind of, it stuck with me, and I, I think that um, to appreciate life, to appreciate the fact that you have life is kind of uh, something that I uh, really uh, work to uh, nourish and uh, nurture in others. And action. What are you most looking forward to right now? Sleep. It's really, every time I can sleep, it's like super cool. Sleeping and dreaming, you know? That's it. And lastly, where can people follow Free the Work and your own work on social media, the new website? You can follow me on Instagram, which is where I'm at always. That's where I live. I live on Instagram on my profile. I don't really exist anywhere else. This is all an illusion. And then um, other than that, Free the Bid still is very active in all of our channels because we haven't properly transitioned into Free the Work. Um, But we shall, and we will inform you about all the handles to handle. (laughs) Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining us, Alma. Thank you for having me. You can find us at afemalelens.com and at afemalelens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at afemalelens at gmail.com. And you can download the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos are by Megan Cafferty. This podcast is produced by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell.